Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Hey, thanks again for coming out. Man, it's always great to be in the house of the Lord. Can I just say thanks again, as Pastor Dave said, for pushing through the rain. Um, You know, I say this all the time, more refreshing in the presence of God than in your bed, even on a rainy Sunday morning. So I uh, took a picture of the praise team, and I'm I'm not a social media guy, but they keep telling, get your phone out and do something. I want to be obedient. And so I reluctantly got on a little Instagram thing. I took a picture and Instagrammed it like halfway through praise and worship, and then Pastor Dave said, get your phone out. Then my phone started blowing up with all these, I know they had their phones out, right? Hitting the likes or I don't know what they are, what you do, but anyways. <clears throat> so I appreciate you guys coming. It's always great. People online watching online, appreciate you logging in. So anytime we can come and gather together and just be in the presence of God, amen. And that's not only here, it's at your house, however you create those environments. So thanks again for pushing through, because I know God will honor that. God will honor your sacrifice and your time, and he's got something for you, amen. So you're here at the right place at the right time, I believe, and so appreciate that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, a couple of announcements <clears throat> real quick. Sorry about that. Uh, first of all, I'll let you guys know that we are gearing up for Easter. We're ready. We're, it's right there. It's right around the corner. I just appreciate the Mercer family video. Let's show the Mercer some love for getting on camera for us. Thank you. Great job. Great job. Great job. It's not easy to do. Get a little nervous doing that, but they, they did that. I appreciate it. Um, actually, my wife and I met them at Academy a while back, and so kind of connected with them there, and so we appreciate these. All of them serve. They serve them. And they're not in here today to see their video. I don't know if that was planned, <laughs> but, they're, but they're serving in another area, so we thank them for that. But it is Easter, so we're gearing up for a great time, um, creating an environment for people to come, especially people that don't know Christ, to come. And I say this all the time, I don't believe Easter is for those that, that know Jesus and walk with them. I believe it's those people are to create environments for those that don't know Jesus and are yet to walk with them. And so it, we celebrate our resurrection every day of the life, amen, every day of our life, amen. The resurrection that we have through Jesus Christ should be celebrated and honored by a believer every day. So we want to create environments for other people to come to know Jesus. So I encourage you guys to get out there and invite. We got invite cards, made it really easy for you. Uh, so you can uh, go hand them out and talk to your friends about it. I want to encourage you to personally hand them out. Don't put them on windshields and stuff like that. We don't want to get a call and saying, uh, we need someone to come over and pick up all the trash out of our parking lot. How do you know it was us? <laughs> it's a joke. On the backside, it says tree of life. Okay, so anyways, <clears throat> we just want you guys to go and, and provide a personal invitation for people. The best opportunity of the year is right now. More people have to say yes uh, this season during Easter season than any other time. So take advantage of that. Also, you'll see, uh, you can grab those cards on your way out on the seat back in front of you. Grab one of those cards. It's a prayer card. And we're asking you just to invite the names of some people that you're believing to invite. You haven't maybe invited yet or you already have. And so we want to stand in faith with you. So we as a staff are going to be praying over those cards. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to have, Wednesday night the 12th, uh, we're going to have a pre-service Easter prayer time. And so a pre-Easter service, prayer service. And so we want everyone to come out Wednesday night before Easter. We're going to have a, a, some time of praise and worship. We're going to talk about what Easter Sunday looks like in here in the children's ministry so we all know what's going on. Then we're going to spend time praying and we're going to spend time for God to show up, amen, and do things in people's lives and for all of us to be involved and your friends to come. So we'll pray that night over all the cards as well. So uh, fill that out. Put it in when the offering comes by too, and we're just believing for God, great things on Easter. 
Amen. And then I know a lot of you are here, or you're here, well, all of you right now are here at 11 o'clock. Maybe you came to 11 because it was a rainy morning, but uh, we want to ask you on Easter Sunday morning, if you're normally an 11 o'clock attender, consider coming to first service. Uh, Our 11 o'clock service is where we'll see the majority of our visitors, and so we want to make sure that we can adequately minister to them, whether it's parking or seats in here or even children's ministry. We fill up those classrooms, and so you'll help us take the pressure off a little bit by number one, serving, using your gift as God created you to serve in that capacity to create an environment for someone to come to Christ, or number two, by perhaps switching and coming to nine o'clock, and I would suggest come to nine o'clock and serve 11 o'clock. There you help us double, and so uh, find a way to do that. So I encourage you guys to pray about that, make the adjustment, perhaps in your service attendance and even serving, and that will help us a lot. All right, one more thing before we move into the word, get into the service. Um, I, most of us, if not all of us, have heard the tragic news about our family and friends at First Baptist Church in New Braunfels, and so um, we're all saddened, heartbroken by the loss of life. Um, Praying for them. I believe that you've been praying for them. We as a church will continue to pray for them. We're going to ask you to make it part of your personal time for a while. And that's a 13 is a, is a huge loss of life for them to kind of process and walk through. Uh, they're doing so beautifully. They have a phenomenal pastor, Pastor Brad Loveham. He's a great man. He's got a great pastor, a great support system there at First Baptist. Community's really coming together. And so I know today, in fact, they're having some type of memorial service today and even a funeral. Those are starting. And I can't imagine, can't imagine that many at one time. But that's when the body comes together. Amen. Doesn't matter if they're First Baptist or United Methodist Church or Lutheran Church or Tree of Life Church. We're the body of Christ. Amen. And so we want to be supportive of them in prayer. So if you would, let's just take a few moments. Um, I'm going to lead us in prayer. You just join your faith with mine, and let's lift them up for a minute this morning. Father, we just pray over them as they're having their Sunday morning service. The first service, really, since the tragedy had happened. And Father, we just pray for the Spirit of God to be present there. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what only He can do and bring comfort and peace because He is the comforter. And we thank you, Lord, that he's already been working on the hearts and lives of people. Now, we know, Father God, physically there's a separation, so there's grief. And we pray for them, Father God, that you heal the brokenhearted. You help them process through that grief and sorrow. And it is going to be hard, Father God, but not impossible to walk and live life forward. We know that you'll strengthen them, encourage them, Father. Uh, We thank you, Father, for uh, as we celebrate, in a sense, Lord, that they all knew Jesus and they're all in heaven, Father God. So we know that they're in a better place. No more sadness, sorrow, sickness, pain, disease. They are, in fact, doing better than we are. But that physical separation still brings sadness and sorrow to hearts. And so again, we pray for that. I pray, Father God, for that pastor, Pastor Brad. What a good man, what a good pastor. The right man for that place, Father. I thank you that he has courage. I think you give him strength. I think you give him peace. He's been dealing with media, national, nationwide media. He's been dealing with logistics. He's been dealing with hurt families, and he's also been dealing with his own hurt and losses. He's lost 13 of his congregants. So we pray for him, Father God, to have courage and strength. As he opens his mouth today, you fill it, Father God, in Jesus' name. When he lays his head on the pillow at night, you give him sweet sleep. All of them, Father God. We know, Lord, that during these times, Lord, you have an opportunity to shine. We know that you don't bring tragedy and disaster on people. But, Father, in this, the Word says you can bring beauty from ashes, the oil of joy from mourning. We thank you, Father God, that in this time, people will draw closer to you and not run further from you. We thank you, Father God, that there is another family involved in this situation, Father God, and we lift them up as well. Father, we lift up the hurts, the pain, the guilt, all that, Father. Lord, we just pray that somehow, some way, you can bring comfort and peace and let them know you, Father God, in a, in a real tangible way. Lord, more than anything else, we just pray that people will have an eternity in heaven and eyes will be opened, Lord, to the goodness and love of our Heavenly Father. And yes, when this life ends, there is another life. 
It's either heaven or hell, Father God, and we pray that more people will come to the knowledge of Christ through this tragic event, Father God, as you are lifted up and glorified. We pray for him, Father God, and we stand with him in faith as we release it now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thanks, everybody. <clears throat> I just want to encourage you guys to keep praying. You know as well as I know, it is a process to walk through this, and so we stand with them. Uh, just so you know, as a church, we've already responded. I've had opportunity to get over there, to connect with Pastor Brad. Uh, we've offered any and all support we possibly can, meals to manpower. Uh, our limo carts are over there now hel uh, helping with crowds and things like that. So just so you know that you, you may get an email and say, hey, head over there and help serve food. That's okay. We're going to do everything we can. Amen? And help support them. Praise the Lord. All right. So get your Bibles out. Turn to Haggai for me. Uh, and while you're doing that, I, it is Mission Sunday. The first Sunday of the month we deem Mission Sunday where we just want to bring a greater focus on the things that we're doing around the world because we believe God has a heart for the world and he's put it in every believer. Amen? That's the heart of God. Going to all the world and preaching the gospel. And so we do that as a church. And so uh, my wife and I, as you probably know, we just returned just a few weeks ago. We, we did another family, Tom Duran and his daughter Bella and then Callie and Camry with us. And everybody worked really hard. We had a great time of ministry. It's a ministry we've been involved in for three years, but personally supporting uh, as a church, uh, 10 missionaries to an unreached people group called the Namadi Group. These are Namadi missionaries. They, they heard the word, got saved, went to Bible school training, and we are their support to go back into their unreached people group and share the good news. So we had a chance to go over to India. It's our third trip and to be able to be a part of, of some great things that are happening, to express your love and support. And can I tell you, it means everything to them to know that there's a, a group of Americans over here praying for them, believing them, and, and sending their love, prayer, and encouragement, and even through your resources. It really does mean a lot to them. They don't feel alone in the midst of very difficult ministry. It's illegal to convert people to Jesus in, this, in the area that they live in. In fact, their lives are on the line constantly. Many of our own missionaries have been beaten and uh, have been imprisoned or put in jail, rather, for times, and so, but God's hand has been there with them, and they're doing great work. In fact, IET, Indian Evangelical Team Leadership, tells us that the Namadi people have been, the, the ministry that's happened in two years, they have been, they haven't seen in 20 years such persecution towards a people group as they've seen in the Namadi in the last two years. But on the other side of that, they haven't seen as much success in the gospel going forth in power and in might. And isn't it interesting how that when the enemy ramps it up, God's right there, amen? He's still greater. And so your prayers and support help that happen, amen? And so we wanted to give you, amen, let's just give God a big thank you for allowing us to partner with them. Amen. <clears throat> So you're giving, like today is Mission Sunday, there's food, uh, patty melts and tater tots, I think, out there to eat great comfort food during the rain. And so uh, and you participate in that, given the missions offering, whatever that you do, you know what, it is making a difference, it truly is. We have lots of video, lots of footage, lots of stories to tell. Unfortunately, we have a short time here. We'll find another time, perhaps another night, where we can invite everybody out that has a heart for that in India missions to hear so many testimonies uh, to share from our 10. So we're showing a video uh, that we worked on for you. The first part of it, you'll see things happening at the conference. There was 100 over 150 church planters gathered at the conference, 10 of ours. 10, 10, or 10 Namadi and some of their spouses, and then I think actually five or six different unreached people groups were represented. So we had the opportunity to, to do a conference with them. Uh, we gave them gifts that you provided. 
Uh, we'll let you know after the fact when you see that. And they were so grateful for that. Um, then after the conference, we actually got to go out into the field. So the second half of the video, you'll see us going out into the area that the Namadis live. And so it was great risk. Uh, we didn't want to put anybody at risk, so we were able to do some things kind of covertly, if you will, and not put them at risk. But we managed to get out to one of our Namadi churches. Uh, it's meeting in a home. And so you'll see that service. You'll see the praise and worship. Uh, they gave me 10 minutes to speak because we didn't want to uh, exposure with Americans there. Or rather, with Americans there, it would expose them to greater persecution. So we kind of slipped in, slipped out. Uh, we went to another area. We had things on the window so they couldn't see that there were, the Americans were in the car. Uh, another church that's really doing well, we weren't able to get out there because that was a really tough, persecuted area. But nonetheless, uh, God made ways where there seemed to be no way, and uh, we wanted to bring you all the great things that you're doing in India. So enjoy it on the screen. with one of the pastors that we partner with to do a work here and bring the gospel, bring the name of Jesus and the word here for the first time. A great work has been established. I'm with Pastor Prem Singh and his wife and they've been working very hard and they have a growing body of believers. But they have a need that would really help this work continue to grow and be all that God wants it to be and really reach the surrounding area for Jesus and that's for a building. We're actually standing next to his house which the church is housed in but it can't really hold all the people that are currently coming. And he's donated the land next to it to have a church built. So we're standing in faith with them for the first church, a Christian church in this area to be built. Nimari group, 
we would like to thank you that the gift which you have extended to us and you are partnering with us we appreciate your prayer support and we all uh, in return we pray that god will bless you abundantly and we are we are promising you that we will continuously uphold you in our prayer god bless you Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's really amazing. I think about this, two years ago, the name of Jesus hadn't been heard in that area, much less you saw 19 churches being established, 27 villages being opened, and uh, 550 or so people being discipled. Discipled is amazing. Uh, we were actually in that church, as you saw, the music was being played. I, I wondered how I could bring one of those guitars back for Cody, but the neck was too long. And uh, well, it was really cool how they did. Uh, just amazing, the anointing was there. Uh, we got to share the love of Jesus, and again, from all of you. So in that particular place, there's 70 or 80 believers gather. Now, understand, again, and you'll, have, you'll let me go a little bit long today, um, that it's illegal to convert people. Now, they can meet and gather, but they can't convert people. And so now the government is Hindu, and so they've cracked down on even gatherings. They will not let people meet. It's illegal to meet in a home and open air. So really, ironically, the only way they can meet without just terrible things happening to them is in a church building. And so and they made that rule because, as you can see, that the people can't afford church buildings. So really, they made it so people couldn't meet, unless God puts it on the heart of people like you and I to be able to do that and provide that. So we actually have two groups that have 70 to 80 believers each that need a building. So we're going to let you more, know more about that and how we can do that and help make that happen. But again, understand, there was never the name of Jesus there. That's just is amazing. It's amazing to me. And I'm honored and humbled we are to be able to stand in that place with those people because they all, they all had stories of being put in jail and beaten. I didn't mean to get emotional. and I definitely don't want to make a plea today uh, on emotion, so we're not going to do that. But um, I, I love that you're generous in that. I love that you have a heart for that and you, you've provided. Because again, here's a part of the world, where would they be without someone bringing the gospel? Right? And we're thankful for that and your generosity. So, uh, man, we love you guys. We're, we're so glad to be partnering with you. So many people contributed in many ways beyond your giving. Uh, you saw a picture with ladies having bags. We gave every, every man had a backpack. We gave out, on your behalf, we gave out 120 backpacks, 150 notebooks and pens for the conference. Uh, ladies uh, here, a small group, ladies made uh, handbags for all the ladies. So they had like messenger bags made, just incredibly beautiful handmade from ladies here, all the ladies there. Uh, you saw the picture with all the hands in the middle. Uh, ladies, a lot of ladies paid uh, to have those bracelets made here, and they had the word loved stamped on them. And they were taken over there, so all the ladies got the bracelets, they loved it. Uh, some ladies here at Tree of Life made over 300 hair accessories. And so, I mean, that's a video in and of itself, how excited they were about that for their girls themselves wearing something as simple as a hair accessory. Um, they had the, the, the foot washing, my wife, my daughters, and Bella did foot washing, uh, a, a hotel donated lotion, then they did lotion and soaps, and then HEB donated uh, bottles of uh, nail polish. And so that's, that's a luxury there. They don't get it. So you saw all that happening, and so you provided all that as well. It really is amazing, your generosity. And then the men, uh, the Namadi men, all got a watch, uh, a nice, durable watch that you guys helped provide money for. 
And so you guys were really generous in so many ways, so thank you so much. Your giving's making a difference all over the world, and here's a place that now has over 550 disciples than where two years ago there was zero, none, amen? It's awesome, love that, amazing. I'd love to, love to share more with you, we will another time, but go ahead and get out your Bible, let's look at Haggai. My message today kind of ties in with all this, but I want to make a disclaimer here. This isn't intending to move anybody to giving, and you'll hear it within my message what I'm talking about. Um, I want you guys to just listen and be led of the Lord. I'm not bringing, culminating this with a mess, uh, an offering at the end. We always take our offering at the end. It is Mission Sunday, it's what we do. Um, but I want you to see the importance through the scripture of what we do, and this is the next in my series on intentional generosity, we've been talking in the series about how we follow uh, natural principles, but how we need to add godly principles to, to do well financially. I mean, to, to just walk out what God has for you. Uh, the natural only gets you so far, and we know that, especially in the area of finances. And some of us, you know, have struggled with different things financially for so long, but we need to add the Bible or biblical principles to our natural principles and allow God to move us beyond the numbers, amen? and help us get out of the places that we find ourselves in. So intentional generosity is something that should mark the life of every believer, and Haggai is our foundational text, and here's what it says. Now this is what the Lord says, give careful thought to your ways. Now think about this is what he's saying. And he's saying, think about what you're doing. How's it going, by the way? How's everything going with you? And he goes, because you've planted much but harvested little, you eat but never have enough, you're just always empty, you're working hard, you're not seeing the results, things aren't turning out the way that you thought, um, you drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are, uh, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Again, it's talking about, you know, you're, you're working hard but getting very little or have very little to show for it. And that's, again, the natural things work, but to a point, that's why we need the biblical principles involved. And it goes on to say this in verse 7 again, just be careful to your thinking. What are, you, what are you thinking about you need to be doing here? These things work to a point, but listen, there's another thing added that needs to be added, and that is the biblical principles, which is what we're talking about. So you can go back and listen to the other messages we've ministered, to, ministered on, but it's coming out of now. We're going to go to 1 Timothy, if you would turn to 1 Timothy. The Apostle Paul is speaking to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor, so it's interesting in First and Second Timothy, there's great life lessons to be pulled out of here, but it's really Paul speaking to a pastor, and that pastor then being charged to tell his congregation some things. So it's Pastor Timothy, or let's say this morning, Pastor Don, tell him these things. And here's what it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. It says, command them who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Command them who are rich, to which many of us would say, oh good, this isn't for me. Right? I can check, I can go back to my social media right now and, and I can like Pastor Don's Instagram photo or whatever. But understand that what he's talking about is in the context of the day and really what he means for you and I, honestly, is that we're all rich, we're all blessed. In fact, if you were to study um, you know, income around the world, um, if you have a combined income, studies will show if you have a combined income today, combined income, household income of $45,000, you are among the 1% most wealthy in the world, in the entire world. Now think about it, the Bible's for the whole entire world, but I mean, you might say, well, I don't really feel rich, <laughs> and, I, and I don't live in India, right? Or <laughs> I don't live there. But we live in the greatest country on the planet, amen? We live in the greatest state in that country, and we attend the greatest church. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. All right. Right. So, we are blessed, and I, and I stress that because you need to know he's talking to you. You are blessed. 
You are blessed because you live in this country, because you live in this state. And I understand that we have sometimes a problem with that word rich because we don't understand the definition or the context of it. <clears throat> so what I want you to know, it's important to understand that that's how God sees you and I because of what we have and who we are. It's important to know that, that you are blessed. The problem is most of us aren't comfortable with that word, rich, or if you will, in describing us, but you're blessed and you need to know that you are. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says this, you know, uh, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, he had all the wonders of heaven, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, now listen, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You're rich if you have Jesus, amen? You're blessed if you have Jesus, amen? That's what the Bible's talking about here. He's saying that you have been blessed. Why does he want us to be blessed? So he could make us blessed, so he could make us rich. He did that, why? Well, the next chapter says this, chapter nine, verse 11, that you are to be rich or enriched in every way, say every way. Every way, every area of your life, you're to be rich or blessed in your marriage, you're to be rich or blessed in your uh, relationship with your children and your friends and your mind emotionally and your body physically. You're to be blessed or rich in every way. Why, why is that? So you can be generous on every occasion. You can be generous with what you're blessed and enriched in. That's, that's why he did that. And let me say this, and we talk about this, because I know that there's a lot of misunderstanding about the prosperity message. And I have people all the time, are you one of those health and wealth churches or you believe in the prosperity message? And, and that needs to be defined a little bit because I think there's a misunderstanding even in that regard because I believe the prosperity message as I see it says that God wants you wealthy so you can be wealthy. God wants you rich so you can be rich. And I don't believe that to be true. I believe God has a meaning and a purpose for everything. God wants you blessed so you can be a blessing. He wants you rich so you can help other people. You can be generous, amen? He wants you to have more than you need so you can help other people in need. And so there's a purpose behind it. So do I believe God wants us blessed? Yes, but to be a blessing. I believe God wants us rich? Yes, or have more than we need? Yes, so we can help those in need. Not just to walk around and say, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm wealthy or I'm blessed. I'm a daughter and son of the king. I am, so I can be a blessing to other people. And I believe that, I believe the scripture is very clear on that. Yes, he wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. God wants you to have more than you need so you can help others in need. In fact, I wrote it this way, God blesses me with more than I need so I can be a blessing. <clears throat> God doesn't uh, just bless you just for the fact that you can walk around saying I'm blessed. There's a reason and a purpose for everything. The truth is, God needs you to have more than you need so you can help others, because he works in and through people, amen? So he needs you, so I don't even pray, God, meet my needs, I pray, God, God, go above and beyond meeting my needs so I can be generous to those around about me. That really is the prayer, because if you're faithful and God can trust you, he'll get it to you if he can get it through you. And so uh, the church, we operate this way, we're as generous as we possibly can be, we need to be that way as individuals to show that God can trust us. Here's the problem, rich people aren't very good at being rich. They're not. We're not, when we're blessed and we're not been blessed and we've not been and now we are, we're not. We don't know what we're doing. And studies will show the more Americans make, the less they give. Isn't that interesting? And the less people make, the more they give. Why, because some people learn to be dependent on God and others learn to be dependent on things. Now that's not the case for everybody, but statistics will show the more Americans make, the less they give. And I believe it's because the more they become dependent on them or their things and less dependent upon God. Now God doesn't care that you have stuff. He wants you to have stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. In fact, we've already read a scripture that says God wants you to enjoy everything. He gives you things just to enjoy. But he also wants us to steward things well. 
and to be a blessing to other people. And so we need to understand that and realize that. That's why there's a verse in the scripture that says, hey, Pastor Don, hey, Pastor Timothy, hey, Pastor Don, talk to the congregation every once in a while about being rich or being blessed because it's easy to forget why. Because we live in a blessed country. We live in a blessed place. So let's go back to it, 1 Timothy 6, 17. I command those who are rich, blessed in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. He wants you to have stuff. just doesn't want the stuff to have you. Verse 18 says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I love that. Be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. And so I, I want you to understand something that when we have things, it's for a reason and for a purpose. So we shouldn't feel guilty about having things. We should feel responsible. And so God doesn't want you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel responsible. We've been blessed to be a blessing. I'm so fortunate to walk in what I have, but I have a responsibility then to help people that don't have what I have and aren't blessed that way. So don't feel bad for having what you have. Let's just learn to steward it the best we can. And so I just want to show you the word. I want you to do what the word says. That's why my message today, I needed to give you a missions update, but I'm not trying to raise the money to build those buildings. And I just don't want you to think that we're trying to use that to manipulate or control you. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you have to decide what you're going to do after you hear the word. And we as a church live this way. We do a lot of work around the world, around here locally. We work with a lot of organizations, a lot of projects, a lot of ministries. And so we spend a lot of time uh, vetting them. We spend a lot of time researching them, making sure that they manage the money well. We just don't give to a need. We don't make sure God's put it on our heart and they're good stewards as well. So you don't have to work, we do that so you don't have to work and so we can come together and so you can work that way. So I want you to know this, that you don't give to your church, you give through your church. And I want you to have, make sure you have that attitude. All the things that you see in the video, stuff we just showed and around and other things locally, nationally and internationally, you give through your church, not to your church. And we always ask you, I feel I'm always careful to ask you to pray and see what God would have you do. When we promote Mission Sunday coming up, go home this week, spend time with your family, see what God would have you do, and only do what God is asking you to do. Now, Mission Sunday today, we wanted just to give you an update, but understand we do local missions. We have the Family Life Center that every day of the week people are coming, that it's open, looking for help and need, and we're very generous in that. You are very generous with the Family Life Center and how you help manage ministry and help and assistance around the community. And then it's also a clearinghouse for other churches and organizations actually give to the Family Life Center to help those monies get distributed. We do a lot of things around here locally, kids clubs, one of those things. You don't just work in India, you work in Mexico, you work in Cambodia, you work in China, you work other places. But that's just a place God's put a burden in our heart to see churches be established where there are none and to see the gospel be preached where it never has been. And so those things that God has us do. And there are many other places and certainly around holidays. But here's what I want you to know this morning. Now those things are great, but those things, but there's also things that we need to be very generous with that don't have anything to do with money. Absolutely nothing to do with money because people's greatest needs don't have anything to do with money. It's not always about their natural needs, it's about their spiritual needs, amen? And you can be rich naturally but spiritually bankrupt and really it, it not help you at all. And so we need to be very mindful of that. And so especially right now, we are in a season, Easter, we're in a season where it's the greatest opportunity to reach people in need spiritually. Understand that we're asking you to invite people not because we want this place full, and we do, but it's because we want this place full of people that are spiritually in need so God can come and meet their needs, amen? Thankfully, somebody invested in us. You've heard the story already. Thankfully, someone invested the Mercer family to a Christmas party, and God changed their life forever. Listen, we need to be aware in this season about the spiritual needs round about everybody you come in contact with. 
Now, I want to say this. I don't want to say it hard, but I want to say, let's keep in mind that the spiritual needs are the most important thing, so it's easy for us to buy a meal for someone or to come alongside and give them something. But listen, how many times do we not go to the point of roundabout us and addressing spiritual needs in people? You know, it's, it's easy to, to, to drive through and, and buy somebody uh, dinner, buy someone's dinner or something like that, but what about their spiritual need? Because I, I, I want to understand, I want you to understand, we do everything we can to help clothe people, feed people, meet their needs in that capacity, but we also want to attach Jesus to it or attach eternity to it, because if people get fed and if people get their utility bill paid and they still don't have Jesus, they lose. If they're not changed spiritually and they're not going to heaven, they lose. Now, doing those things is great. We will continue to do those things, but so it opens their heart up to the gospel. So listen, now can I tell you that we do a lot of stuff on the holidays like, like Christmas, and we do a Christmas gift program. Uh, over 2,500 kids got, or 2,200 kids got presents, or a lot of kids got presents and things like that. <laughs> A lot more than I'm giving, I'm looking at Kay, a lot more than giving numbers out. You do great in giving gifts, helping give gifts and facilitate all that. You do great doing that. But listen, this is Easter and this now is an opportunity that people are open spiritually more than any other time. So instead of buying gifts and stuff for kids, which was a great thing to do, we will always do that. Listen, let's make sure we put just as much energy and effort than helping meet needs spiritually. And that might just mean taking an invite card to work. It might just mean writing a couple names so we can pray and stand in faith for their heart to be open to the invitation to come and their heart then to be open because again, remember, feeding them is great, clothing them is great, but if they don't know Jesus, they still lose. And so we want to help them spiritually. So be very generous spiritually. Be very generous in good deeds, inviting people to do those things. We need to do all those other things, but we need to bring them to the gospel or we need to bring the gospel to them. And so that's what we're about. The greatest gift we can deliver as a church is the gospel. We're responsible for the gospel being delivered to our communities. We have a responsibility. So you serving, serving in capacity. I'm not going to twist your arm to serve because we have holes or gaps, but your serving creates an environment where other people can sit and be ministered to, where we don't have to turn people away especially Christmas. And listen, we're maxing out classrooms as it stands right now. I mean, Easter. We're maxing out classrooms on a regular Sunday, much less an Easter Sunday. So we need people to use their gift to create environments so people's needs can be met spiritually. People who are not walking spiritually bankrupt are spiritually under-resourced. Can we just put it in those terms? And so let's, let's be aware of that, finding places to serve, coming to a, another service and earlier so the, uh, the one that most visitors will be can be opened up a little bit more. And I don't want anyone to feel guilty. That's really not my heart and intent, no matter how passionately I, I make the delivery. And I don't want you to do something or feel pressured to do something, but you need to know this simple truth here in 2 Corinthians 9. Here's just a simple truth we need to know. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will reap generously. That is not an arm twist scripture, that is just flat biblical truth. And you know that's in every area of our lives. What you reap, you'll sow. The amount, in a sense, so you, if, you, if you're experiencing little, then, then maybe you're looking, you're giving that way. And again, don't just make this a financial message, it's not the point. Understand, we need to be very aware of our ability to serve or do good things. It goes on to say this in verse seven. Now listen to this. Each of you should give what you have, what's that next word? Decided. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or like a Scrooge, I don't wanna, or under compulsion, ah, oh, just that video, how can I not give? For God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, God wants your heart in it. God wants your heart in it. That's why he says, you need to already decide what you're gonna do. In other words, I believe nothing is wrong with spontaneous giving. In fact, I like to do that. But the majority of your giving should be very well thought out. 
the majority of your giving should already be very well thought out. You have decided. Give what you've decided. The Bible is saying you should put some thought into it. Give what you've decided to give. Have a giving plan. You should have that. And my job is to train you and teach you biblically. My job is to show you the opportunities, but it's your job to let God work it out in you. And so you have to what? Decide what you're gonna do. And God loves a cheerful giver. God wants your heart in it. He wants your thought in it. He wants your intentional generosity in it. So the question then becomes, well, how do I decide then? Okay, I hear you on that, but then how do I decide? Let me give you three ways to, to decide to make your decision that I believe that we operate by this. I believe it'll, it'll help you. If I have to decide or come up with a giving plan, how do I do that? How do I make those decisions? Number one, ask the relationship question. The relationship question. I believe God builds the kingdom relationally. He's a relational God. I believe he gets the work done by putting you in strategic relationships. He connects you with certain groups of people for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. He will put you in a family, a church to work with in that family. The Bible says he sets families in. He sets the lonely in. God puts you in places to work relationally to advance his kingdom. The question is, who will I commit to relationally? You need to ask that question. Who will I commit to relationally? In fact, really the word commit, I shouldn't use that word. I should use, because we're speaking in biblical terms, I should use the word covenant. That's the highest level of relationship. We enter into relationship with God in a covenant relationship. There is no higher level, and we need to have covenant relationships. So when God sets us in, it's different than a commitment that can be changed on a whim or a like or a dislike. It's we're here till Jesus does something different or takes us home. We're in covenant one with another. And the first thing we need to do is understand we're in a covenant with God. Amen? Because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're working so hard to e have Easter services where people that aren't in covenant with Jesus can get in covenant with Jesus. Because Jesus in a covenant, he exchanged everything, everything he is to us and took everything of ours upon him. We got the better end of the covenant. But he will always honor his covenant. So if we're covenant people relationally, then we need to ask God, our covenant partner, what would you have us do? I'm committed to you relationally. You own this all, I'm simply a steward. Everything I have, everything I am, the Bible says, belongs to my covenant partner. So relationally, hey, covenant partner, what do you want me to do here? How do we do this? I want you to know, secondly, I say this very guardedly, I don't want you to, I'm not looking to say, ooh, look what we do, and I don't want you to do something because we do something. But I also want you to know that my wife and I, we're in a covenant with you. We're in a covenant with people that call this place home. We're in a covenant with the church that we worship at, the church that we worship in. And can I tell you, because we're in a covenant, we're all in. We give, we believe in the full tithe. I don't stand up here and we take up tithes and offerings and not do that. We give the full tithe. We give on the increase. We give it every time we get it to come in. We do that. We give on the tithe. And we give generously as much as we can. I want you to know, we don't just say do that. We live that way. We're just not walking the talk or we're walking the walk. We're walking the walk. I want you need to know that that we give as generously as we possibly can. We give our tithe, that's non-negotiable for us. We give a return that 10% back, and then we find ways to be generous. And I wanna, I wanna say this, because I want you to know our covenant commitment to you and to what God's called this church to do. We do that. We give to the building fund. So for three years, we gave very sacrificially to the building fund, and in fact, for one year, one whole entire year, my wife worked a second job as medical billing at night on weekends, and every bit of that money, we tithed off as soon as we got an increase, the rest of it went in account and we put it all into the building. She worked a second job. Now I'm saying that to say, don't oh, look at us or look at her. We're in a covenant. We give because God's called us here. 
And so we're all in. So the relationship question is part of your deciding factor, and then we're as generous as we can be, and even spontaneously. We create margin in our lives so we can give more generously. It's what we do. And I'm not saying, ooh, look at us, please, my heart's not there, and don't do things because we do things. But I want you to, so, to know that when you're deciding, you need to look at the relationship question. And let's take a look at Psalm 92, 13. Here's what the Bible says. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted, if this is the place God has called you to covenant, then you will flourish when you're planted or you connect relationally. It's not, I'm here for a little bit, then I'm there for a little bit, and I'm there for a little bit. If this is what God's called home, then be, get planted. Put your roots down. You're planted in the house of God, a local church, you'll flourish. Okay, in deciding, I need to decide what a person has decided. Here's the next question, number two, the difference question. The difference question. Ask this one, will it make an eternal difference? This is an important question because not all giving, not all charity is the same. It's not. There are a lot of good things to give to by and by, you know, by and large, there's a lot of good things to give to, but your giving should be mostly, strategically, on getting people to heaven. Now we do from time to time give just to good causes. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But listen, the majority of our giving is very strategic, and we give where we believe it'll make an eternal difference. Where eternity can be attached to it, and lives can be changed, amen? Because this life is a vapor, very, very short, but eternity is forever. And so we want to give very strategically. We want to give primarily, predominantly, to things that have eternity attached to it. We want our giving to help get people into heaven. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15 says this, if anyone builds on this foundation using silver, gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, capital D, the day, judgment day, you stand before the Lord, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now understand, this is talking about eternity, judgment day in heaven. The only thing you need to get to heaven is Jesus. So this is not talking about your entrance to heaven. It's you need Jesus to get to heaven. This is talking about what did you do with what you had here on the earth. And it's directly associated with your rewards in heaven. You just need Jesus to get in, but the rewards to spend eternity will be put before the flame, the scripture says, and what you've done and what you feel like you've done good things, the fire will consume what was wrong motivated, wrongly motivated, and what will remain was the right motivation, and you'll get rewards based on what remains. Did you read the same scripture I read? Okay, so what we do here matters. Is what we're doing making a difference because we're working on a lot of things sometimes, even good things that really doesn't matter for eternity, and that's great, but one day that's gonna be burned up. So let's make sure what we're doing matters for eternity so people will get to heaven, but then we'll stand and those things won't be burned up by the fire and we'll receive reward based on what we did while we're here on the earth. So you're gonna answer two questions in heaven. What'd you do with Jesus? Enter into, the, into heaven because of a relationship with him. Then you're gonna stand and be accountable for what you did while you're on the earth and your reward in heaven, the Bible says, will be a direct result of your motivation or how you use what God gave you. That's just the truth. I gotta share the truth of the word with you this morning. I gotta tell you that, I have to tell you that. And let me give you the third one in deciding, it's the God question, is, it's the God question. Is God speaking to me? Is God speaking, actually this is a fun one because one of the most fun things that we do as Christians is to hear the voice of God. I love that, I love hearing God speak to me. 
and he's speaking to all of us that have relationship with him. One of the most fun things that you can do as a Christian is to know that you're on assignment. You realize you're on assignment today? You shouldn't come to church, you came to church and you should be listening to God and what does he want you to do while you're here? Does he want to give you a kind word? Does he want you to give the offerings? Does he want you to serve? Does he give you a tithe? I mean, a handshake, a hug, someone doesn't look happy, say a prayer for him, whatever. But when you leave here, you're on assignment. And wherever you go eat, if, you, if you're not going to eat here, then you go somewhere else and you go to wherever, it, you, I don't know, Chewy's or whatever, you walk in there, guess what? You're on assignment from God. God, is there somebody in here you want me to bless today? Somebody in here you want me to encourage today? And you look around. I think that's awesome. That's fun. You're on assignment from God. Uh, my daughter Callie uh, one day was telling me she came home and she was driving through McDonald's and she was just getting something like $3, but she just felt led of the Lord to pay for the car behind her. And so, and she said, first, just so she said, I should have asked what their bill was first. <laughs> so she, so she, it was actually quite a few. It was much more than what she was spending on herself. And anyway, so I just appreciate her being obedient to God because I know God has blessed her since that time. And just to think that even wherever you're doing and going in life, you're on assignment. And listen to God. Why? He wants you to be generous. Good deeds. Might just be a handshake. Might be a hug. One more story. My youngest daughter, Camry, just got her license. She passed and got her, did her test on Friday. Now she can drive. Watch out. And uh, little G, she's driving little G for GeoTracker. And so, uh, so we were there with her and the drive instructor came out or the testing guy came out and, and he just looked up and he goes, oh, are you the support team? And I said, no, sir, we're the prayer team. And he just kind of looked up and just kept walking. I'm like, he should at least, he should at least thank me. I'm praying for him. I mean, he's in the... And then so when they took off to do the test, there was this lady that was next, and she wasn't a teenager getting her first license for the first time, but she looked really, really nervous. And so I just, I just looked at her and I said, you look a little nervous. And she goes, well, yeah, I am. And I said, don't worry, you'll do great and stuff like that. I said, we're, I said that's my daughter, and we're, we're here to pray for her, but we're going to pray for you too. And she just kind of looked at me, oh, okay. <laughs> and so we're, we're trying to talk to her, engage her in talking and encourage her, because she looked really, really nervous. And so... Uh, Camry came back and uh, the instructor and we're waiting for Callie, uh, J- Callie and Jessamine are standing there. She's waiting for her. She's come back to the instructor and we have the phone out like video like she's going to say, I passed and didn't say anything until they walked up close and the guy says, are you taking pictures? And I wanted to say, no, sir. <laughs> she is, but I'm not. And, uh, and so we're waiting to see if she passed and he goes, oh yeah, she passed. And so the three of us are jumping up and down shouting, yeah, 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 celebrating. And so uh, she goes inside and the lady gets in the car. She's next and the guy comes right out real gruff. Okay, let's do this and we'll, let me walk around the car. They get in the car and I, and I say, you'll do good, don't worry. And so they take off and when they come back, uh, the girls had already left, Callie and Camry left and Jessamy were in the car getting ready to leave and she said, she goes, I think we should stay. And I, and I said, for what? She says, to be here when that lady gets back. She didn't have anybody here. And I said, yeah, but that could be 10 or 15 minutes. She goes, it's okay. And I said, you're right. And so that lady comes back and we're waiting. The girls had already gone off and we're going to meet them somewhere. And she comes back and they get out of the car and they're walking towards the thing. And and Jessamine's like, did you pass? And she stops and looks up and goes, yeah. And then we're like, yeah, jumping around celebrating. Yeah, good job, good job, good job. And she just hurriedly walked inside. And so we thought, (laughs) where the officers were. but, But you know what? It's fun to be on assignment. It's fun to be on assignment. It's just not all about money. Listen to God. Just do what God says to do. You're on assignment every day of your life because of Jesus Christ in you. 
And so be generous, be generous. So can we, can, can we do that and, and, and understand that? And let me give you this last scripture, uh, Matthew 9, 35, 36 says this. Jesus went through all the towns, villages, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. That's what Jesus did, but why did he do that? What motivated him? As when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. We need to be people of compassion. Compassion should mark our life because it's what marked Jesus, and that should be our motivator. And so can we, because of compassion, and we know there's people that are lost and hurting, spiritually bankrupt around us, so can we get an invite card and take it, hand it out? Can we pick up a prayer card and pray for people that we're gonna invite so we can join our faith with yours and allow the Spirit of God to move on them? Can we be on assignment when we leave here today? Can we be motivated by generosity to be a blessing? We're blessed to be a blessing. Let compassion speak to you and move you. Don't do anything because I said something. Don't do it out of reluctance because uh, I don't want to do this, but I guess I should, or because you got emotionally motivated by my tears or by a video. That was not the intent. But every single one of us needs to ask, Lord, what would you have me do? And based on that, then we give what we've decided. And when we ask the Lord, what would you have us do? We need to listen to his voice speaking to us. But you know, when you ask the Lord, what would you have us do? You also open up the scripture and he's revealed it to you. And I just want to say this. It's not a message on this. I want to say it. We believe in the principle of the tithe here because we see it so clearly in the scripture. That's returning that 10% back. Lord, what would you have me do? And so I just want to encourage you this morning, and I know I've gone long, and, and, and I thank you for your patience, but it was important for us to look at, for you and my life, what the Bible speaks to about intentional generosity for every one of us. That's how we live beyond the numbers. That's how we find our way out. That's, that's how we walk in the blessings of God where we have more than our needs met and we can help meet the needs of other people. Here's what I know. God is faithful to his word and he watches over his word to perform it. Amen. Amen. He is a good and faithful God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.